We wanted a way that agents could hone their craft and be a part of a larger community, get the resources they need and information they need to know. We cover relevant topics in the industry that will help you close more sales. We talk to top producers and industry leaders to share knowledge and best practices from around the country. So if you want to make more sales, then listen up because we're dropping gold. Okay, you ready? We're going to start. All right. Yeah. What's up? Here we go. Cheers. Cheers. All right, guys. Welcome to the podcast, Medicare Sales Podcast. And today here in the office, in my Phoenix office, is the man, the myth, the legend, Tegre Moot. He is CMO. Chief Marketing Officer, that's what that means, of Heartland Financial Group. And we're going to talk about some really cool things that he has some real in-depth knowledge on that I think agents really want to know and understand better regarding, I think, the structure of Medicare supplement rates and when they come out. So we'll be talking about MACRA with, uh, with that being so close, and we'll talk about what he's been seeing and talking to with all the movers and shakers of the Medicare supplement world in terms of the big carriers um, and kind of get pick his brain a little bit to see what he can tell us so that we can prepare um, our sales strategies for post 2020. That's right, baby. So how you doing today? How are you feeling back here in Phoenix? Um, great. It is hot. It is just <laughs> stinking hot. <laughs> but I love it. Why it not? is. It is nice. It's yeah. still nice in the air conditioning, right? Building yes. feels nice. So are we, so this is a podcast that we're doing. This is a consistent podcast that you're putting out there with industry leaders, friends, people you know in the industry. Yes. And is it going audio or is it going video too? It does. I do both. So okay. that's why we have the camera mounted up there in case people like to visually see things. Um, so it'll be hosted on the YouTube channel and then it'll also be on iTunes and Stitcher and all the other podcast things that are available. Beautiful. Yeah. Love it. So, um, all right. Well, let's quickly. So, we got to spend some good time in Dallas recently. We were at 8% Nation, Cody Askins event. Absolutely. Had a blast out there. You were out there representing the Heartland National um, Medicare Supplement and Hospital Indemnity product. Uh, I think yes, you guys sir. got a lot of interest out there. Yeah, right? we do. We ran to a lot of agents that didn't know about our product. Um, knew about the concept of pairing a hospital indemnity plan with a Medicare Advantage plan. Um, so met a lot of people, developed some new relationships, strengthened some old ones as well, Yeah, which is really good. I thought it was really beneficial. I thought Cody did a really good job and his dad and his whole team. It's amazing. Um, they, yeah. were, they were on point. And uh, the last day, I don't know if everyone stuck around for it, but it seemed like a lot of people did. But Michael Irvin was oh. on fire. That was, that was great. One of the best, that was probably one of the best speakers that I've seen, at least in an industry event like this. Yeah. Um, next to Brandon Clay. I mean, Brandon Clay is hard to beat. <laughs> but I'll take Michael Irvin. <laughs> you know, I saw Michael Irvin on ESPN like the day after. So, really? Yeah. So he was arguing with Stephen A. Smith. Uh -huh. I don't know if you know who Stephen A. Smith is, nope. but he is a very energetic, argumentative commentator. And him and Michael Irvin were getting into it. And it was, uh, he was comparing, I don't know, he was comparing some football players to LeBron and Dwayne Wade or something. And they uh -huh. were, they were straight yelling at each other. 
<laughs> well, Michael Irvin is fantastic. I mean, he was just he was phenomenal. He was it was great. fun to watch him. Like yeah. he was very inspiring. I remember I took a lot of notes on my phone and um, I brought those notes back here during the morning meetings at the office to help pump these guys up. Uh, he just had a lot of great, I think, motivational insight that can help anybody in any industry. So that was kudos to Cody for getting him yeah. locked in. Yeah, shout out to Cody and his whole team. They did a fantastic job. And it's funny, I can see an event like that. You know, you do your first one and you kind of like shoot for the stars on it and you bring in guys like Grant Cardone and Ray Lewis, which, I mean, that's an amazing feat in and of itself. But then you kind of figure out the next year, like, hey, how can we do this better? Like, yeah. what's a venue that we could use? It's you know, more conducive for everybody. And I see that event as, as getting bigger and bigger and better and better. I'm, um, I'm going to try to stay a part of that as much as Cody allows me to, for sure. And I was, I was super impressed with, with the turnout and just the layout of everything. So, yeah. yeah. And it was a great hotel. Cody. Great, great. Um, the great room that we were in, that was a really cool room, really cool setup, especially seeing it out from the stage side. It was, it was neat, man. I really liked it. The jumbo, LCD screen behind you. I mean, it's, it was really well set up. So I, I hope, I mean, Vegas seems like he's really going to, obviously he always strives to do better, but Vegas is a, I think a great uh, melting right, pot yeah. where you can really do good. He did say the next one was going to be in Vegas. They're already out there looking at places. Yeah. yeah sorry to give, if you weren't, we weren't supposed to talk about that, but I think he announced it to everyone, right? Isn't it? Didn't he announce it in general? No, yeah. Thing? It's all over his social yeah. media. Oh, everyone knows. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, everyone knows that that's where they're they're trying to they're trying to do it. So they're just looking at different hotels out there and having a good time. And man, that must be fun. That's another. That's I think a fun aspect of what Cody's doing is that he's able to go out and check out these new venues. And and he's really, you know, he has a great team who supports a hundred percent what he's doing and how he's aiming for the stars, like you said. But um, it's a great melting pot altogether. I think it's a great. It's, it's all these different insurance agents from different lines and different backgrounds who can just share there's a lot that we have in common, you know, in terms of our drive or determination, how we talk to people. I mean, sales is sales, right? No matter what insurance uh, line of insurance. And so that was really cool to be able to hang out with so many smart, smart people. Yeah. You know, you and I, I remember the last day we got to uh, hang out with, um, with, uh, uh, Ramiz. Yes. Shout and, out to those guys. I forgot their names. Oh my they're, God. They're awesome. Oh my God. The Hakeem's man, those yes. guys, they're, they're beasts. North star insurance. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's, uh, let's kind of switch gears here because we could talk about 8% for probably the whole podcast, but I want to talk more about what's going to happen here in 2020. Um, we're kind of off the heels of seeing some pretty heavy increases. And one of the things that had me thinking about, man, I wonder what it's going to look like here in the next month or so, um, for at least a rate increase. And they had two, two things they had. Um, one of them was talking about current eligibles to Medicare, and this is what their rate increases will look like. And then now they have a new column for new, newly eligible people starting January 1st, and what their rate increase would look like, you know, what we'd be offering them in terms of rates. Um, I, one of the questions I was going to look into later was about how CSG is going to show that to us. But looking at the summary of benefits, Everest has basically the left side for people who are existing on Medicare. The right side is for people who are going to be joining Medicare January 1st. Plan F is obviously no longer on the table on there. Well, it is on there, but you know, it's only for the people who already have Medicare. So um, the conversations you're having right now with insurance companies, mm -hmm. where are they hedging their bets right now for growth over the next five years? So, and before I get to that, you know what's interesting about 
what's happening with macro. Number one, I don't think there's enough advertising to clients from agents on, on basically the changes, which creates more opportunities for new sales. Um, I think, you know, I'm an agent in the field. I am just inundating the market with advertising on, Hey, know what the new changes are you know, call us, we're the experts. Yeah. But what I found interesting is there are a lot of agents that don't know what the rule is. So you and I had a conversation afterward mm-hmm. um, about what the changes were going to be to an agent and no offense to the agent. I'm not going to say any names or anything, but an agent for a lot of years, yeah, expert, but was unaware of some of the features that are coming out with macro. Right. So, mm-hmm. and the most basic one is, is if you, owned or you had purchased a plan F before 2020, you can still keep it and you can always have a plan F after 2020. Yeah. Newly eligibles are the ones that cannot. So that option for first dollar coverage is not going to be available for a newly eligible after 2020. That's just really the basic rule for macro. Yeah. Um, so to get to your question, how are carriers, you know, dealing with that and where are they hedging their bets? Where are they, you know, stacking all their chips, I started seeing filings with carriers. And all of a sudden, when we'd get a competitive analysis done with a carrier, I started seeing rates very competitive on Plan F all of a sudden. Whereas for the last three years, I couldn't get a carrier to even look at Plan F. Right. So in fact, when we look at our competitive analysis, and some agents think this is crazy because there's so much Plan F that's being written right now anyway. Yeah, that's true. Uh, there still, still is. is a lot, a lot. But when you start pricing, when we start talking, what are we talking? We're talking GNF. Yep. We're not talking Plan F. In fact, there's no arguments over the Plan F rates anymore. Yeah, and we so, stopped caring, right? Well, it's because traditionally it's been the most unprofitable block of business for a carrier. Mm-hmm. And, and so what is profitable? Plan G and Plan N have been profitable. Trends are higher this year. It doesn't matter who you talk to in terms of claims that are coming in. All the big carriers, Mutual, Cigna, Aetna, they all will tell you the same thing, that the claims trend this year is is a lot higher. Across all plans? Across, well, I would say, yeah, across all plans. Um, and that's why you're seeing um, higher rate increases, including some of like the one you just mentioned. Yeah, That one's a little bit of an anomaly. And even even we know why. Even, if, if if you've sold, you know why. <laughs> look, a carrier is a a sum total of the business that they accept. Yeah. Ultimately, so not to get because I can run down that road really fast. But where a company's hedging their bets right now, I started seeing filings that all of a sudden the Plan F was more competitive, it, or in a more competitive position than the Plan Gs were in. Yeah. So I started questioning that, and the reason why is because carriers carriers are telling me. And in our, in our group, they're just saying, look, plan F is, is going to have to be underwritten after 2020. Mm -hmm. So they're hedging their bets by launching it. Now they're still going to get open enrollment business. They're still going to get, you know, if it's guaranteed issued, the option is still there for plan F up until 2020, but they're just launching early because they know in in 2020, it stops, it's it's all underwritten business. So guess what? We're going to price our rates to be really competitive on plan F. Do we know yet what happens in the birthday rule states, in the anniversary rule states where right now you're allowed to switch guarantee issue essentially, like to like or lesser. Um, what happens when plan F is, you know, you have somebody who has a plan F right now, past 2020, they decide to change to a new carrier's plan F, right? To hopefully get on a cleaner block of business. 
do you think that they're going to let them do that using the birthday rule? Because that would technically be GI and not, and again, I mean, but so what are your thoughts on that? But it's not actually technically classified as GI. So when we get reports from, from carriers, um, it's normally open enrollment or what some of our carriers have called it special open enrollment. It's actually okay. not GI. What they're classifying as GI is like a 63 day event. Right. You know, you're coming off a group or whatever it is. So um, they're, they're actually specifically calling it like specific or um, open enrollment, or I think it's specific open enrollment. Okay. Um, or special open enrollment, something it's like a, got a weird term. But, but you still don't have to answer underwriting questions. No, no. It's still, ultimately, technically, it's a guaranteed issue policy. Yeah. It just has a different designation than, than what a 63-day event GI is going to create or it's going to be called. Right. Right. So you think they're going to let them still move? That's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. Because I would feel like, and maybe carriers aren't going to be too worried about it because if you look at it from a national footprint, that's only three states that could do that really, right? Uh, a little bit more than three, but some of the states that allow it, carriers don't usually go. Exactly, yeah, yeah, you're talking about on the East Coast and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So we're talking Oregon, California, Missouri. Those, those are the main those ones. Those are the main ones mm -hmm. that, that you're gonna have a lot, of, a lot of Medicare business in those three states. Yeah, so right now you're saying carriers are starting to bring out more competitive premiums on MedSupps for Plan F, for the F. new blocks of Plan F after yep. 2020, because they feel like that's where they're going to now have a profitable block of business. So you think now, I mean, uh, the majority of the Plan F being written right now comes from the, from the independent agent side, not so much call centers, right? Call centers, traditionally, they've been writing more Gs and Ns, but... Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, and I don't mean to be, I mean, I don't mean this in an age discriminatory way or whatever, if that's even a term, but... It seems to me like when you have a call center and they've employed, you know, a bunch of people under 30, the plan G is like, that's it. Yeah. Not a lot of plan F unless a customer really asks for it. Right. The, the agents that are selling a lot of plan F and all, there's always exceptions to the rule. So if anyone wants to say, Oh, you know, I'm under 30, I sell plan F all the time. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I, I'm, I'm admitting that, there's always exceptions, but for the majority of people that I see writing Plan F, it's people who've been selling for a long time. Yeah. Right? So if, you, if you're under 30, you may have been selling for 10 years if you're 29 or whatever, but it seems like that demographic is a lot of Plan G. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be funny, in my opinion, because the people who traditionally have been writing Plan F a long time, once 2020 kicks in, a lot of the open enrollment business, a lot of the GI business, they normally would just send Plan F's way they're going to be forced to write more G, right? But they'll still yeah. underwrite and, and keep writing Plan F when they can. 100%. Call centers are going to have to see that there's, because again, if, we're, if we target people who are over 65, yep. we're going to have more opportunity to actually underwrite someone into a Plan F saying, hey, this might be a cleaner block of business. So even if it's just a little bit more expensive right now, potentially over the course of five years, your rate increases are going to be less than, what G might end up doing. Yeah. And, and so obviously there's a lot of G business out there, but we we're talking in, and I was talking to an agent in Mississippi mm -hmm. today. Okay. So we're comparing rates. So best plan F rate with household discount applied 
110 bucks. That's the female age 70 rate. Okay. Right. That's like the best. That's like the best. And it's the best by like six bucks. Yeah. Best plan G rate, 92 bucks. Right. Okay. So what? So $18, $18. Difference, somewhere around there. So in the agent's mind, he's saying, Hey, I've got, I've got some data that's always seems to be right. I don't know. He mentioned some report that comes out every July and August. And I actually, I'd never even heard of the report, but mm -hmm. um, kudos to him for being smart enough to find it. He said, you know, this report's always right. And he said the part B deductible is going up to over $200 next year. Okay. So I don't know what the difference was like 216 bucks on yeah. the part B deductible. So you're pretty much at a break premium. even point. So his, his, his reasoning was I'm going to sell plan F because at next year, I really don't have to overcome the, the part B deductible versus premium argument right. that we've all been using for plan G. Right. So, you know, in his estimation, even a $20 difference right now made sense for his clients in the future. Yeah. Yeah. You, we, and so I think as more F's release, the new blocks start to release, we're going to have to look at that because really that's been our, our main push is look at the rate increase history, look at the immediate savings from the difference in premium between an F and a G and is it greater than the part B deductible? So those excuses. And again, I always tell my team like, Hey, change is the only constant. So even though we're having these conversations right now, it doesn't mean that it's going to change, that it wouldn't change and we'll have, different conversations in the future. You know, at the end of the day, we're just trying to do what's best by our clients. Right. And, and you know what, what's, what's driving the whole plan F being priced more competitively now in the market is the fact that carriers are going to run to wherever they can get the, the underwritten business. Right. So if it means that it's going to be plan F next year, obviously they're going to release competitive plan F rates Yeah. because they want underwritten business. That's, that's where their profitability comes from that underwritten block. But plan N too is still going to be hopefully probably competitive, quite competitive. Yeah, it's being, so plan N is still, I'm still getting competitive rates. When we price a product, I'm still getting competitive plan, plan Ns. Yeah. Just for, just not quite as much plan G anymore. I'm just, yeah, I'm going to be curious to see as we're getting closer and as we pass 2020, what you're going to see when they start filing the plan Gs moving forward. Because they're going to obviously start filing more competitive Fs and is the G going to be way off? Or is it just going to be a little off, you know, where you could still maybe go either way, selling Dude, a G or not? I'll, I'll give you the answer right now, right? So we've, we've got some pricing, you know, in the, in the file cabinets right now. Yeah. Guess what? Ratings for Plan F in terms of competitive uh, positioning, second, third, first, awesome, yeah. 30 states. But let me flip over to those Plan G rates. 24th, 25th, 27th. <laughs> not 30th. even close. Not even close. It's not even a, close. Okay, so it's flipping. There's yeah, no there's well, no doubt about it. it like it's it, 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 it seems to me, and again, I'm not an actuary. I can't really speak for an actuary. I can only speak from from my experience with actuaries, and especially the ones lately. Um, they're reacting to the market and they are they're high on plan F for twenty twenty. So what that means in my mind is that if they continue to file plan ends competitively, people who are turning 65 who don't even get an option to get on those competitive plan Fs, um, they're going to look to N because if G's aren't being priced to be competitive anymore because they're the ones that are going to accept the, all the open enrollment and guarantee issues, N is going to be the next most likely that they're going to want to run to. I, that's what I see. I think G and N for open enrollment business 
next year is, I mean, that's, they're, they're going to get a flood of that. Yeah. So, and obviously that's why I'm in 25th, 26th place on plan G because they know that open enrollment business is coming. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to change. Now, how long do you think before we start seeing, um, the rate increase history change for G from what it's, I mean, traditionally it's always been something low. It's always been single digit rate increases up nationally, but yeah, with all of this, it's already changed. Talk to any carrier, any of the big names right now and their, their claims trend for the past 12 months has gone up. They're all saying that on part B they're paying more in claims and the trend seems to be seven to 9%. And so, so I've seen some fours out there. I've seen some smaller ones and I'm going to guess that the actuary at the company threw that rate out there and there was some talk and some negotiation to get that price or that rate increase down right. on plan G. Whereas if you, if you don't have that negotiation, it's just going to go out there normally at like a seven to 9%, but you try to get more business. you try to get more underwritten business and you hedge your bets a little bit so that you can you can drive the profitability up and and deal with the claims a little bit better. And again, I'm speaking as a non-actuary, just a guy who has to deal with with you know actuaries. Well, that's why I wanted your input yeah. because you are you're you're you go so much further in depth than pretty much any other um, producer or agency that's out there because of your position in being able. You're helping to bring out national exclusives. So you guys get to participate a lot further and a lot deeper than, yeah. than the majority of agencies, even million, multi-million dollar producing agencies do. Absolutely. So that's why I think your side of the input is so important for agents to kind of understand. Now, but let me ask you this. I thought the whole idea behind MACRA, right, from the government standpoint, is that they said that by, by eliminating first dollar coverage to people, it's going to help save them money because they feel that if seniors have more skin in the game, they have to actually, you know, meaning they have to pay something first without first dollar coverage, that they would reduce claims because they'd be less likely to go for any little thing, you know, but if all these plan G rates are not going to be very competitive, I mean, how are they ever, they would never even realize like if that's going to be a true factor. Yeah, or not. But, but think about, it. we all use CSG, right? Yeah. So what are we going to do next year? What are we going to do when we look at effective dates? we're going to look at who's got the best rates. Right. So we might have higher rates, but as an industry, we're still going to find carriers that are the most competitive on a plan G. There might be some guys who are just like, well, let me just try to grab some of this plan G business. You think they'll be doing that? Because I mean, I don't know. I don't see, I don't see people. Uh, no, the answer to that question is yes. Um, and, and with this strategy, cause we go through this, so you price your rates. So you're, you're not pricing it at 65 as number one. No one wants to be number one at 65. Not one person wants to, no. um, at least nobody that I, in, in the circles that I'm in, nobody <laughs> wants to be in fact, yeah. if, in fact, if I ask for to be number one at age 65, um, I get, I'll get laughed out of the room these yeah. days. That's like asking them for their firstborn child. That's not going to happen. It immediately means you're going to have a loss. But somebody is number one at 65, but on plan G, right? Whoever yeah. that lucky carrier is, yeah. you know, so, but we slope it, right? So where, where can we get the, where can we be competitive? Well, 
if we're at age 70 or at 74, 75, and we price it competitive, so we slope it higher at 65, but a lot more competitive in the older ages, because why? Because we get underwritten business in the older ages. So yeah. that's what's, that's what carriers will do. If they, if they do anything on plan G, it's going to, it's going to be that. And it is that right now. So just do a comparison, look at the 65 year old rate, see who shows up, you know, in the top tier and then go, go do that. Um, at, at 70 or 70. 75, it's, it's some, in a lot of cases, people, it's different carriers. Yeah. And, and even the big names are, are doing that right now. Price it at 65 and then go put it at 70 and be like, whoa, I see what happened here. Yeah. You're pricing it more competitively in the older ages. Makes sense. It does. It makes a lot of sense. Um, so it's funny because in MetSup, for it to be successful, everybody does have to win. Yeah. The carrier has to win. If there's a reinsurance deal involved, the reinsurance company has to win. The agent has to win. And above all, the client has to win too. Yeah. Right. Everybody has to win in this scenario for it to be successful. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to get all four of those lined up. Do you think that with these changes, anything going on with this, will it make Medicare advantage be more appealing to people or it wouldn't, or do you think that'll have no, no, no hindrance on that? I, I think we're, we're, we're far past that. I think Medicare advantage is more appealing to a lot of people simply because there's more people enrolled in MA than meds up. Yeah. So, but, 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 but if you look at those numbers, how many of it is dual eligible market though? People who just couldn't even afford a meds up, even if they wanted to, you know, I mean, that's a fair point. Um, but I guess if we're dealing with it as a whole, you know, I stick with that answer. Yeah. Um, if you're dealing with it, not including dual eligibles, um, I, it seems to me like carriers on the MA side are, are, are doubling down, except for this year, it seemed like the benefits sort of held steady mm -hmm. because, and I haven't verified this myself. I just talked to our MA guys mm -hmm. and they're in the know on a lot of stuff. There, there was this 15% tax thing that carriers had to pay this year. So I don't know if you knew that. No, I didn't know this. And again, I need to verify, make sure, but you know, for my side, I just, you know, talking to someone who's very reputable in the industry that, you know, carriers have this 15% tax. Always or just this year? Just this year. They implemented this tax that sort of ate into the profit a little bit, I guess. Um, How does it even make sense? I mean, because MAs are designed based off of money they get from the government and then well, the government's going to tax them on. Well, it's because of the, because of some overpayments, I think, so that they, they're catching up in, in uh. payments that they overpaid carriers. And so they implemented this 15% tax. So, Anytime you do that, it's going to suffer somewhere. And right. as, as a result, I think, I don't know if the benefits necessarily suffered as they kind of sort of maintained, maintained where they or were at. Premiums might even start to come Maybe. into play. Like instead of zero exactly. premium, there might be 10 or $15 premiums. Yep. And, I, and I think that information is probably, probably credible based on who that I, I heard it from. Yeah. I mean, the, the person knows. I yeah. Mean, so, um, so, I don't know. Does that continue for next year? I mean, obviously, I think things. benefits are amazing on MA plans, especially in the in the metropolitan areas. I mean, you got, you know, out of pocket maxes at like thirty some hundred bucks. It's mainly in the in the populated areas where you're going to see that. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I think with all the added benefits on MA plans, expanded networks, I don't see how it doesn't it doesn't uh, continue to have. I mean, thriving. Well, I mean, there's still though, growth numbers. isn't there still something to be said though about 
are there still a lot of payment issues in the past? I mean, we've been doing this a long time and we've seen a lot of doctors dropping out of networks because they're just, they're tired of not getting paid. They're tired of slow payments or missed payments or missed payment, whatever it is. Like, yeah, I think that that's always gone on. I think it's always going to go on and I don't think it's going to slow people down from, from enrolling in plans. Yeah. Because if I have the option for a $0 premium with all these added benefits, the way I see it is a lot of people are willing to forgive a lot for, for that benefit, you know, and there, there's always, there's so many people in the system that you're going to find people that are not cool with that at all. Don't like it, but you'll find people on all ends of the spectrum of it. But I, I don't see the enrollment numbers going down because of that. Gotcha. Not, not from my perspective. So let, let's, let's wrap up with this question. No, okay? I don't want to wrap up. I want to keep going. I just want to keep. <laughs> this isn't a marathon. Um, I want to bore people to death. <laughs> this, this, is, this is all important information. This is stuff that people want to know. I'm supposed to drink like, oh, well. Just don't burp on the mic. Just don't burp on the mic. I don't so care. Um, my question, you're 65 years old. What are you choosing? Medicare with a supplement or MA? I'm going with what I recommended to my parents when they turned 65 and what they have right now. They have a Medicare supplement plan. Do you know why? I because, do. Yes, you do. But because you, you have go. the same scenario. Yeah. Exactly. I want my parents' coverage, if they can afford it, and they can, I want their coverage to be portable. I want them to be able to go to any hospital, any doctor that accepts Medicare, including the Mayo Clinic. The Mayo Clinic. Right, which doesn't technically accept Medicare, but they'll work with you. But it, but they sh for sure won't take a Medicare Advantage plan. Right, exactly. But they will work with people who have original Medicare. I, exactly. I want So I want options. And I want my parents to have options because if they want to go to a doctor or a specialist, as long as that doctor accepts Medicare, mm -hmm. then, then I want them to be able to not have to worry about whether that doctor is in a network or not. So ultimately, um, if, you know, if things change financially in their life, yes, might have to readjust right. and they might have to go onto a Medicare Advantage plan when they can. Yeah. But as long as they can afford it, I want them on a MedSup plan. And you obviously have your own testimonial on that. And I yeah. know, I don't even have to ask you, I know that you think the same thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. So until they completely change the benefit structure for MedSups and we're off doing something else. That's my vote. A hundred percent of the time, if you can afford it, meds up. Yeah, right on. Um, I definitely one hundred percent agree with that. But uh, yeah, this is really, I think, informative stuff. You know, a lot of people don't. They get bits and pieces of what carriers are thinking and what direction they want to go. So I just kind of wanted to lay it out there with somebody who does know mm -hmm. because of all the in-depth conversations you're having. So appreciate you coming out here, flying all the way to Phoenix just for this podcast specifically. You know, and, and I just really appreciate. <laughs> Did you just say appreciate? Appreciate. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Shut up, dude. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Good. Well, we're signing off now, but we will do another podcast soon on a different topic altogether. But I do appreciate it. I've been wanting to do this for a while. Yeah. It's just, it's hard to lock you down because you're such a busy dude. Are you going to edit this with music and like, you know, no, spice it up. I mean, bit. I'll have my intro. I'll have my little intro, and that's it. But I'm not gonna. What about an outro? Let's do an outro too. What do you What do you want to do? You end with music too. Same. Is the same the music, one. You end with music. 
Okay. And then you throw your logo up there. What what song would you want me to end with? Give me a song. Let's pick one. I've done it before on on a couple of podcasts. I have outroed with some oh, kind of. Oh, well, here's a little fun fact. So it doesn't always have to be boring. So Eric got on stage at Eight Percent Nation. Okay. And the way he introduced himself was by dancing. That's right. So what I think you should do is on the outro, you should have that little clip of you dancing on stage. That's what it should be to that song. Okay. And then just dub the music over with that song. So, right. You're not I can do that. Yeah, there we go. I can do that. Beautiful. Yeah. Cause I can cut that clip from that video that they put out on the first day. Cause it, just, it does, it cuts me like dancing on my walk in and, and then me when I was filming ads live on stage. That, was, that took some guts, dude. Yeah, but it was fun. You, you, you pulled out some dance moves like Brandon Clay. <laughs> Show my Latin flavor. That's what on I got to do. Got to represent. Nice job. Do you guys know Tegri is 6%? No, 3% Hispanic? 3%. 6%. 3%. Uh, I'd argue that. <laughs> That's 23 and me. <laughs> Have you done that? Have no. you gotten a DNA test? No, never. My dad has though. Yeah. Well, that's how that's how I know that. Well, that's how that's I, how I know, know he's six yeah. percent. Yes. I don't know about you. I don't know about that man. I don't know about that math. That just well, because you're dad six, it. you're three. Okay. Okay. So let's just take this. Let's just take this back a step. My dad is one hundred percent Mexican. My mom is one hundred percent Salvadorian. They made me. What am I? I don't know. A genius. <laughs> <laughs> we'll end with that because i'm just saying okay we'll, we'll we'll get the right answers if there's any uh dna experts out there please let us know we would love to understand how ethnicity gets we split up really as the generations keep going talking about this right now <laughs> just way out of our league way out of our league hey well let's put it in our league any dna specialist give us a holler let us know how this works. In the insurance industry? You just don't want to find out that you're 3% Hispanic. You want, it, you want as much Hispanic ethnicity in you as possible. So you just don't want someone to call up and say, actually, Tegrady, you're only 2% because of this is how it works. But if they said, actually, Tegrady, you're 6%, you'd be happy as yeah, day we're that we're having this conversation. The heart, baby. Whatever. Whatever. Well, again, thanks for having me. Or thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for enjoying LaCroix. LaCroix is the official sponsor. Commercial now. Exactly. LaCroix is the official sponsor of the Medicare sales podcast. Oh, dude, you might Cheers. get in trouble with copyrights for that. For helping them out? For saying, driving some sales their way? Yeah, two boneheads doing a podcast that, that 200 people <laughs> maybe listen to. All right. Bad. You got to build it though, right? All right. You That's did. what we're doing. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. We're, we're, build, we're building an empire one brick at a time. All right. Peace, guys. See ya. Que comience la fiesta.